Hello and welcome back to Reeling the Peers. My name is Gary O'Brien and this is where I get some of my very good friends on to chat about all sorts of movies. With me today, for the very first time, is a man who is known in his hometown of Kildare as the Bearded Paul Mescal. It's Mark Tuddy. And he's here to talk about Edgar Wright's 2017 action film, Baby Driver. So stick around, we hope you enjoy. Mr. Tuddy, you're here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, I've loved it so far. Happy to be here. Sure. Friday night. What else would you be doing? Yeah. Well, look, you could also be editing a podcast as well. <laughs> but like later, like maybe, I don't know, two to three hours after this. So like you could be doing that. Like, things yeah. could be worse. You could be an Arsenal fan. That would also make things worse. It's quite sad, especially when you apparently support Tottenham lately. I do. That is an exclusive. First time mentioned on the podcast, my Premier League alliance is the rival of your team. Yeah, it just so happens to be the year they're at top of the table, but we won't we won't look into that. I like to think it's all me, baby. Yeah, not Mourinho or the money. No, all me. I bought a jersey and that gave them enough money to get Gareth Bale. And the confidence. And the confidence, that's it. But not to further, uh, you know, exclude anyone who's not a Tottenham fan from this podcast, which I imagine is... 99.9% of listeners. Uh, I suppose we should talk about the movie uh, you're here to discuss. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of my favourite movies. I'm quite excited to chat about it. Try and make some points that have definitely not been made before on the internet. Yeah, shh, no, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know. Everyone's going to think that you're all original. Um, so the, the movie itself, uh, for those who are listening that may not know much about it, it is, well, it's called Baby Driver. It's directed by Edgar Wright, who did other movies like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, um, he did Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Anything else important? Um, Those are the main ones. Paul. He did Paul. <laughs> he did Paul. Um, yeah. So like, and I guess the, the the main thing about this movie is it's um action film. It's all about like, it's all about these guys who perform all these bank heists. And the sort of I suppose gimmick of the movie is that it's all like one continuous soundtrack and all the songs kind of link up with what's happening in the movie. Um, and this is something he was working on for something like twenty five years and. I love it. And I was so happy when you suggested it because I really enjoyed watching it again. Yeah, same. Um, whenever anybody asks me for like a recommendation, it's always one I throw out there. Um, just I think it's more the surprise of the movie more than anything else. Just I remember when I, the first time I seen it, I had such I didn't know anything about it. Um, went in completely blind and I just left the cinema so happy. Even the opening scene, you're just so like, the character will talk about it. But you're just so happy after you're like, this is going to be a good movie. And it's just, it's so, you can tell that the person who made it just cared about it so much and put so much thought and effort into it. Like it's, it's something where I feel like every word and movement is so deliberate and it's just done by a great director, cast, stunt performers as well, if they like, or stunt drivers, I imagine more so than anything else. But okay. So for people that may not, you know, okay, know much about it then, roughly, if you can bring us through what the plot is. Yeah. So effectively... There's a bit driver called Baby, hence the name, Creative. That's it. That's all you're getting, ladies and gentlemen. End, of, end of plot. <laughs> um, so he's a professional driver for a not-so-nice guy, both actor and character. Correct. <laughs> um, so effectively, he owes him a debt. He's an extremely good driver. He has to basically drive jobs for his crew, which involves bank heists, um, just all that sort of criminality stuff. But he's portrayed as not being a big fan of it. He doesn't want to hurt people. And he's basically just paying off his debt throughout the movie and eventually finds a girl he wants to basically settle down with when he's done the work. And that's pretty much it. It's not a overly complex plot, I suppose. 
No, like I, I like to think all the effort from the writing went into the music rather than like the actual like plot. Do you know what I mean? He had to like practically write a script around songs, which I imagine that'll take all your effort. Yeah, like I don't know. The best I actually thought of it lately was that it's like the Suicide Squad trailer, but a movie and good. Oh wow! High praise. <laughs> they, they should have that. They should have that as a category in the uh, in the Oscars. You know what I mean? Like movies that are as good as movies that are like the Suicide Squad trailer, but good. Yeah, just the sounds always in sync with what's happening. I think the like the most bit of it is in like after the opening scene. Remember the coffee trip? Yeah. So I guess just to let everyone know, there's going to be spoilers for this. Uh, we'll we'll try keep it fairly low for spoilers, but there will be elements of it like somewhat spoiled. But let, actually, before we get to the coffee trip, let's talk about the opening scene because okay. I want to like I, that is. First, the only thing I'll say about it, and I'll throw it over to you, is I legit think it's one of the best opening scenes of the movie. Oh, it's definitely up there. For people who haven't seen it, the full six minutes is on YouTube as a clip. Oh, okay. By, by like the actual producers, it's a bit of a trailer. Um, so if you don't think you should watch the movie, watch that, and then you'll realise you will want to watch the movie. Yeah, that's a great point. The first six minutes is better driving than any Fast and Furious franchise. It's done practically. It's just done with such care. Like, I wouldn't be mad for long car chases, but it's just done with the music as well is unbelievable it's not like you know fast and furious where they are now here's a big tank and now here's i don't know a submarine i don't really watch those movies but it's there's like new elements thrown into the car chase each time and they're not too outlandish i say too outlandish because there's one where i'm particularly like yeah you're very lucky there yeah two three cars (laughs) yeah two yeah so okay so what happens then is so like he presses play on the ipod and from that moment on there's just music in in the movie at all times and like like every time there isn't there's there's this low kind of hum and that's because the main character has like tinnitus baby when he was younger was in an accident and so that's even there as well so from that moment on there's just music and i think what's the first song bell bottoms bell bottoms yeah and it's just every time the music kicks up a level so does the car chase as well yeah like the literally the music sets the tempo the music's fast paced the car chase is fast paced if there's slow music playing it's slightly slower like i've never seen it's the most music has ever affected a mu- like what's happening on screen like like when you consider like the song the, the the scene was scripted for the song so like it's the most where like even the small things like the window wipers are going to the beat there's like just small i know that like there's a whole other bit later on but like just when i saw the wipers i was like ah i like this yeah um fun fact about that actually the first time edgar i tried yeah, that mark, a- mark, mark i'm going i'm here to interrupt you i'm here to interrupt you because this is my goddamn show and how dare you be the first person to tell a tell a fact I am the fact attacker. Look, I am not here to take part. Okay, that is fair. <laughs> um, just, okay, but just be ready because I'm going to attack you with facts later on and you're not going to see them coming, okay? Well, then I, I hope you. I hope you this one prepped and I'm taking one away from you. Okay, but all I'll say is, like like my beloved Spurs, I'm going to I'm gonna attack you and then I'm going to go full defense mode. I'm not going to let you anywhere near. I'm going to park the metaphorical fact attack bus and you won't be able to come near me. And I will waddle around in 13th place. <laughs> sorry go ahead um yeah about the music apparently the first time edgar wright really tried to push it was in shawn of the dead joe the scene not was it shawn of the dead when they're in the pub and they're all hitting him with cricket bats the zombies in it ah yes that was sort of his test run for this sort of like style about it for like getting the song in cue with the hitting and the gunfire i suppose in this but now mark you you've you've come at, you've come at me with that saying that was the uh, the original that movie came out in 2004. I'm here to tell you that much like an Arsenal attack 
you have failed, sir, because that is not the origins of that song. The actual origins of this, this is a fact attack, okay? The, he'd been sitting on the ideas for many years. The first use of that song was actually in a music video by Mint Royale called Blue Song. And it's got no fielding in it. And he sits in the car waiting for a bank heist to happen. And he's dancing to this song in the car and he's doing the wipers and stuff like that. But also in that, uh, and there is a connection to Sean Dead here, uh, in that music video is also Nick Frost as well. So that is something oh. to watch, uh, to look up as well. It's okay. pretty good. Well, you have you have corrected me incorrectly. That's oh, what I'm no, what? <laughs> it's a three. Oh, no. <laughs> this, this fact sparring that's going on here. Wait, what? Um, no, I know. I think you just misunderstood me. Um, so I was kind of more talking about the having the song in line with the action. Oh, okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, so like, remember that scene where it's "Don't Stop Me Now." Yeah, in the Worcester. Yeah, and like every cricket bat hit on cue. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And I kind of meant more like that. Like this is very ah, so like yeah. Okay, I'm still. But I'm happy. Your, your fact is good too. Thank you. I think we both we both achieved something here today. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, and and I think, but one of the best things in this about whenever there's a gunshot that's that lines up with the beat as well and i think it's best in the do you know the scene where john ham and darling are shooting at police and it's like the machine guns like it's hocus pocus song and it's just all those gunshots are lining up and i that was the bit where i was in the the, when i was in the cinema watching this thing i love this movie this is so good that they've just to, to go through the element of like having to set up john ham to shoot or like i know they probably use cgi but to like set all that up to to know that it's going to have to play with a song called Hocus Pocus and stuff. Like, I just love all those small details in it. Yeah. No, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like, like there's so much thought and care into it. Like, it's clearly, he had his own vision and he got it done 100%. Yeah. Like, there's no, you can just tell that was his project. There wasn't studio intervention. It's exactly his vision. It went out his way. And it's just nice to see that. I know it was 2017, but I feel like it wouldn't be made even now. Look. You made a fool of me earlier when I tried to attack you with facts. But now I'm here to tell you that I have two fact attacks about studio <laughs> interference. Um, so yeah, like you say, I don't think it would happen today because I don't think there's, there's very few directors that kind of have that say of like, this is how I'm cutting the film. So um, there was some stuff, the studio tried to get him to cut the, the foot chase at the end for time. And he was just like, do you not understand that everything is written to the song? I can't just cut out scenes because then I have to cut out a bit of the song. So there was that. The studio also tried to get them to cut out. Do you know when Baby refers to T-Rex as Trex? They wanted him to cut that because they were like, no, it makes the character sound dumb. Yeah, I don't think there's very few directors that could like stand up to a studio like that and be so determined to achieve their vision. And another sort of thing which is interesting about this movie was this was the first movie Edgar Wright did after being kicked off of Ant-Man. So he was developing that movie from as early as 2008. So when the first Iron Man movie was being made, he was tapped to do Ant-Man. And it just kept getting, like Marvel kept coming back and being like, no, you have to do it this way. You have to incorporate these sort of elements. And he goes, no, no, I'm just not doing that. And then he obviously went to a studio that was like, look, I'm making a movie with with my ideas. If you tell, if I change it, I'm going somewhere else. And I think he's delivered the best thing he could with this. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, fair play to him, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Edgar Wright, me and Mark want to say, well done, you did a good job. We hope you're proud. Well done. Uh, okay, sorry, let's go back to that one shot, because I, I know we kind of got side, sidetracked there as well. But that one shot as well, I think they had to do that like something like 28 times to get it right. The coffee one or the... Yeah, the coffee one, one sorry. The yeah. One. yeah, so yeah, the coffee scenes are basically, anytime he's walking with the coffee in, the, in that scene, this graffiti somewhat has some sort of the words in it. yeah. Along the side for people who haven't seen the movie, I suppose. Basically, that when he's walking on the street, it'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in graffiti, it'll have, yeah, 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 somewhere. 
yeah and it's like and there's even things that it's like the song would be like crossover or something like that like when you what are you gonna do when you cross over and you like cross over the road like all the actions are kind of like you know one of the songs says slide i think he does a little slide as well so like that's i think that's probably my favorite scene in the movie just because yeah. it's all one shot it's got the graffiti it's got the actions and it's it's just all done so smoothly as well yeah um, and yeah. i didn't realize till this morning when i rewatched it that it actually when he walks back from the coffee shop the graffiti's changed again oh yeah yeah so there's new graffiti. It's the same walk, but new graffiti. The still... So do you, do you think it's CGI then? I don't know. Um, I imagine it'd be hard to do it for the same set. Yeah. I just, well, like Small things like that even are just class. Like Yeah, well, that's like proper use of CGI, I suppose. Like, it's not noticeable CGI. One thing, apparently, that was actually a good point i seen online. I mean, I noticed myself. Um, <laughs> was that when he gets his coffee and Deborah, his love interest, walks by. Yeah. And after that... It, he, everything goes downhill after there. So his walk there, it's all good. He's happy-go-lucky. He gets his coffee and then she walks by. And then on the way back, he spills his coffee. He walks into people. He's, ah, okay. Um, yeah, that's so good. that's one point I've seen online. Now, I don't know if that's actually what that's it was That's one meant. point you know you mean. Or you yeah, mean that's one point I noticed this morning. It's in my yeah. detailed notes. Yeah. Um, and um, sorry, the last thing I want to say about this scene as well is the song is called Shake a Tail Feather. And like, so it's like she's shaking a tail, i.e., like he's trying to like be incognito and make sure no one follows him as well. So even a small detail like that, I was like, ah, oh, yes, love that too. Actually, making sure no one follows him. It's one of my few gripes is that how has he not been caught? He does not wear a disguise. Yeah, that's true. Like, even when like on the news, it's like wanted male driver, 25, and it's like a clear picture of him, and like nobody can catch him. And then doesn't change his clothes, just clearly walks in in the same glasses. Yeah. Oh, another thing about the, yeah, like he's always changing glasses as well. And Edgar Wright had mentioned that the reason why he has so many is because realistically, if he's stealing all these cars, there's two things people would probably have in their cars most. And I don't know, this is what he said, but I don't think it's true. One would be iPods, not right. And two would be uh, sunglasses. So I want to leave their sunglasses in their car. So he, that, that's why uh, he, the character always has all these different weird wacky glasses. Ah, that makes sense. I never thought of why he has so many glasses. I just assumed he was a bit odd. Yeah, he's just a weird dude, so you kind of just agree with it. Actually, let's talk about one of the weirdest things he does, which is like he records people's conversations, but then makes these horrifically bad, stupid and odd like remixes. Yeah, I suppose it makes sense to him though, because he is literally a mimicker. Like he just repeats what people says anyway. Yeah, but like the guy listens to thousands and thousands of different tracks you should know what good music is. That whole uh, Izzy Slow song is horrific. Sounds like something I'd make on like Nokia Music Maker from 2002. I was going to say that was my favourite soundtrack. Oh no. <laughs> Classic Arsenal v Spurs fan here. <laughs> yeah, that bit's a bit odd. It doesn't really make sense in the movie in my opinion. I, I was kind of like, why is that being introduced? I thought that was a bit strange. It's probably just get the recording, I suppose, later on. And I don't know, a yeah. character quirk. People can like have was... quirks, Gary. People can have quirks. <laughs> what, like supporting Spurs? <laughs> and if you call that a quirk. Uh, I do. <laughs> okay. And yeah, so what happens then is, like like you say, Deborah's introduced and uh, like Kevin, uh, I'll, mm, he who shall not be named, uh, organizes all these heists with different crews and but Baby's always on them. So I think we kind of go from heist to heist to heist. But in between that, uh, Baby looks after his like step father or uncle or someone who looks after him who's foster also, parent yeah that's that's yeah who like yeah. so he looks after him and he's like putting away money he's getting from the heists to kind of be able to look after him whatever and build up savings but then also he kind of yeah like you say his life goes to hell when deborah is introduced played by lily james yeah um pretty much so like i feel like the foster 
guy, foster parent is introduced to show that baby's a good guy, nearly. Oh, yeah. That but makes sense. Is he a good guy? Is he a good hero? Uh, well, there's those elements where it's like, he doesn't like violence or people to be killed and like even when he like kind of tries to warn the bank teller at the end or yeah. like it, that's it, like there's that whole scene in court where there's all those small things like you know when he was stealing that woman's car to get away from the police like he gave her her purse and like there's all those things to be like he did bad things but he kind of intended well yeah is that it's literally something i was thinking of earlier i was like wait is he that much of a good guy because the one thing that made me think is Slight spoiler is that later on a crew member gets killed by for doing a bad job on a job. Oh and yeah, baby doesn't true. seem too upset. He's just there playing like I don't know Egyptian reggae. <laughs> yeah, he's just whistling away. He's like, Egyptian yeah, reggae, reggae. He's quite now. happy to be done with the job. You <laughs> little poor fucker getting crushed. Yeah, uh, like, and for a guy, he clearly has a song for every moment when he drives. Does he have a body crushing song? Oh, that's great. Okay, Mark, what's your body crushing song? I'm going to say Pump It Up because it's in my head. Okay, what would mine be? It would be, um, is Orange Crush a song? It is by OREM. That would be mine. Orange Crush. So yeah, what are, what are the other crew members? So I, yeah, what we'll, I suppose what we'll do is we'll go through like all the characters and stuff like that and kind of bring people up to speed on, on who's what and just share thoughts. Um, so there's Ansel Elgort's evil, um, <laughs> evil villain of a character, uh, Baby, who we don't know is good or not. Uh, I still, I still think his e- most evil trait is that horrific mu- music he makes. And then we've got he's in the movie for five minutes. John Bernthal, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Like when I saw him, I was like, oh, I forgot he's in this movie. And then I realized that he's just like, well, believed to be dead. Yeah, because he says that line um, where he's like, if you don't see me again, it's probably because I'm dead. And then we don't see him again, so he's probably dead. Yeah, when he was first in it, and I was, and I was rewatching, I was like, he comes back, doesn't he? In my head. Cause just assume he does, cause like he seems menacing. He's like he's there a bit. He's a big actor. He's like he's big actor. Famous. Yeah, he's Punisher. Yeah, the Punisher. Like I was like, oh no, he's like, and he was good in it as well. I liked his little few scenes. Yeah, like what's he? Yeah, like he's the like he's the one who isn't he? Like oh, the baby's not listening, and then baby has that class scene where he like recites the whole plan and stuff and like he's just there to kind of torment baby before someone else who torments baby uh, Jamie Foxx comes in as Bats and just honestly I don't get this character but I just I just know he's that type of person who would be on the back of the bus playing music out of the speaker and you just wouldn't want a chance to turn it off no you couldn't even if it's Jamie Foxx I wouldn't yeah I just I'd, I'd go up to him and like hello sir uh, I loved you in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 can you lend any truth that you're going to be in Spider-Man 3 please but also, could you turn off your very, very loud music? Which is the yeah. soundtrack to Char- uh, Ray, the movie he won an Oscar for. He just plays it loud <laughs> on public transport. And sings along. <laughs> yeah. But also puts the glasses on as well. Um, yeah, he's a good character. Like, one thing I actually realised was that I actually forgot a lot of names as I went along. I have them written here because I am notoriously bad for remembering character names. So he's Bats. Yeah. But yeah, I'm the exact same. I, when I saw Bats, I'm like, that's a bit on the nose, isn't it? But then I realized they don't really, they kind of make more of a big deal of what people's real names are rather than like what the nicknames are. Yeah. So like Bats, by, played by Jamie Foxx, like he's basically just the insane guy who comes in as a second crew who is just going to cause issues wherever he goes. And you're like, why do you select him for the crew? He doesn't seem to be proficient or like, you know, he seems like someone who would make mistakes and act on impulse, which is just not what you need from like high stakes bank robber. You need someone with a cool head, which he just doesn't seem like at all. You need someone like the bass guitarist of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Flea. Flea. 
Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that. That second crew is just terrible the whole way through. <laughs> yeah. From before they even start to like during. Yeah. Like they look terrible. They just look like you can see them like these are going to make a mess of it. Yeah. When one guy's, what's he called? He's called like something. Uh, I told you I forget Johnny, it. Johnny No-Nos. Yeah. He's called, uh, yeah. Eddie, Eddie No-Nos. Oh, Eddie No-Nos. Eddie No-Nos. Yeah. Yeah. And then so like what? He gets the wrong masks. He gets Michael, My- the actor Michael Myers mask instead of the Halloween Mike Myers masks. Uh, I enjoy that because I feel like I would do that mistake. I, you're actually, now that you say that, Mark, you seem like the exact person who I would <laughs> say. And you'd come back, yeah, exactly, I got what you asked for. Like somehow that's the character I most relate to. Oh, wow. That, that guy of all people <laughs> in this movie. That's probably not a bad thing. And like you say, a lot of them are horrible people. So to pick him is not the worst. But yeah, that second crew is definitely the B team. Yeah, like there's also like um the the guy who's who loses his gun during the <laughs> during the heist as well. Yeah, he crushed it. Fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying he gets crushed later on in the movie, <laughs> but he crushed it. He absolutely crushed it. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you have John Harmon, John Ham, sorry, Hamm, yeah. Yeah, and um, he plays Buddy. With the slickest haircut I have ever seen. Oh, unbelievable. And like the voice, he's just a cool guy. Yeah, and he, he's actually probably the most interesting character. I don't know, he's the one I kind of liked a lot because you don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Like he, you know, he seems, he's very friendly with Baby. He's there like, oh, what's your, what song you listen to? Like he doesn't kind of get angry and he's just like, but then like as the movie goes on, he becomes like this terrifying motherfucker. Yeah, there's the clear turning point in what happens and I don't know if I'll do spoilers or not. Yeah, just, I'll just go for it. Yeah. yeah, when his wife gets killed on the job because of Baby and quite literally, um, it's actually pointed out by his wife that when, when his character Buddy sees Red, there's no stopping him. And once she dies, when he's in the car... There's always a red face glow on him. Uh, yeah, yeah, I noticed that at the end, but I didn't... I didn't. See, oh, and probably you're right as well, because like in the diner, I imagine there's definitely a red light on him as well. Yeah, yeah. So he literally sees red for the rest of the movie. Just a nice little Edgar Wright point. Yeah, so like, yeah, he literally sees red, goes batshit crazy, tries to kill a baby. But like before that, he's called Buddy. He's meant to be, I suppose, a bit on the nose as well. He's his baby's buddy. Yeah, like, like so there's Buddy, there's Darling, there's Bats. Like you like to think it's... Uh, like Edgar Wright like I said he didn't put a lot of thought in the you know a lot of you know interesting plot points or character names it was all about how can I get a song to to go along with uh, Deborah yeah oh that's a bit of a weird thing when to talk like oh sorry going off topic here about Deborah go for it hit me up with it I'm still certain that opening scene of them two flirting is weird yeah no yeah it's one of those ones that like, not, normal people wouldn't do this no, that's not... She caught him recording her. <laughs> that is a lawsuit, not a flirtation. <laughs> like, if a customer that looks a bit shady with scars on his face is, is recording me when I'm in work, I'm not... Ooh, is this quality control? Yeah, it's like, oh my, look how handsome you are. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is such a good flirt. Let me give you my full name and details. And, like, then you find out that he used to always go there, that his mother used to work there. It's sounding stocky. Oh, that is a bit stuck. Yeah, like you say, this is a good point you're making here. I don't know if I trust this baby that's the driver. <laughs> and then if you ask their name, like, just baby. <laughs> that's all he says. So, like, number one, she catches him recording her without knowing him. Then she's like, oh, you're recording me for quality control? Hee hee hee. And then it's like, oh, so what's your name? Well, just baby. If this role was played by Steve Buscemi, it would be a horror movie. 
<laughs> only, they only get away with it because Ansel Elgort's a good-looking dude. Yeah, I always get him and Tom Egerton mixed up. Who's Tom Egerton? Oh. Not Tom, oh, not Tom Egerton. What's Whoever was in The Kingsman. Uh, Gary from the future, can you let us know who it is? Thank you very much. <laughs> Taron Egerton. Um, but yeah, so like the chemistry, like they have chemistry. There's a bit of a cute scene when they're like in the diner together. Yeah, no, they get on, they get on very well, uh, and it definitely makes me jealous uh, of Ansel Elgort with my celebrity crush that is Lily James. I would not have thought Lily James would have been your celebrity crush. Oh, she, ever since I saw her, and I can't remember what I saw. I think she was in one of the Inbetweener movies. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or oh, was she? I don't know. Gary from the future. <laughs> I'm back again, baby. Tell me what. Can you tell me Gary from the future? Every single movie Lily James has been in. Thank you so much. It is no problem at all past Gary. The movies that Lily James has starred in include Wrath of the Titans, Broken, Fast Girls, Cinderella, Burnt, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. The exception, Baby Driver, Darkest Hour, Sorry to Bother You, The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, Crossing the Line, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, Yesterday, Rare Breast and Rebecca, which I don't care what Lily Nolan has to say, it's an awful movie. Uh, but no, she's, she like, yeah, she's a bit of a... I don't know, she doesn't really have a lot of things to do. I think her best scene is, like, when they all come to the diner and, and she's trying to, like, work out why Baby's, like, with these guys and, like, the, like why is she why is he not, like, talking to her and stuff like that. And Like, that's probably... But other than that, I don't think she has too much to do. Ah, no, but, like, it's not... Like, look, I'm not, I'm not being too critical here either. Like, it's not a forced romance, like, happens often. Yeah. It's an off-the-cuff thing. It's, like, flirtatious. It's not a... You two main characters are good-looking smush yeah it's not like no it's more of a she comes in singing a song that has that with which the title is his name spelt out and that's how they fell in love true romance who says it's dead yeah i'm just waiting to find i'm just waiting to find the right girl i.e lily james to just breeze by me singing the the, the gary song Is there a Gary song? No, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna I'm gonna use this podcast to make, get it to number one. Get it stuck in Lily James's head so she can sing it, and then I fall in love. Because one of the things in this is that she gives out that there's only one song with Deborah in it, but then it turns out to be two by the Mighty Trex. By the Mighty Trex. What a fucking idiot, Lily James, not knowing there's two name two songs with their name in it. I mean, uh, look at me. I know exactly how many songs that are called Gary. Zilch. Nada. Zero. <laughs> And then Baby Driver looking like an idiot column Trex, because everyone knows it's T-Rex. Yeah, Lily James. Uh, Lily James, I can pronounce T-Rex correctly, okay? Get away from Ansel Elgort. Find a real man. Find a man who does a podcast about movies, that's what I say. He just got a new car as well, by the way, if oh, you like that. Oh, yeah, just got a new car, Lily James, I can pick you up. This is basically becoming a, a, like a setup <laughs> podcast. Yeah, this is pretty much me waiting seven episodes before I can sort of truly make a hardcore play to court Lily James. <laughs> uh, oh, I so I've looked up who her past boyfriend was. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we'll talk about Baby Driver shortly. Uh, she was in a relationship with Matt Smith, Doctor Who, for five years. I think you have many things over him. Like, yeah. Who's that guy? He's the guy who played Doctor Who and was in a bad Terminator movie. Oh, like he wasn't even in the good one. No, and uh, what a, uh, he was cut out of Star Wars. So that guy got cast for Star Wars and never even got to be in Star Wars. This guy never cast for Star Wars, never caught. Zero for zero record, 100% for, being, for not being cut out of Star Wars movies. Which Star Wars movie? That's the main thing. I think it was the last one. He was, uh, his, there was rumors he was going to be playing a young Palpatine. 
he's probably half to be cut yeah that's true right let's talk about the movie again yeah before, the movie um, end yeah. sorry um okay <laughs> so yeah so yeah so as the movie goes on uh baby driver is you know winding down he's coming up to his last job and he has all these thoughts and ideas to you know run away with deborah his last job happens he meets deborah for fancy dinner but like um kevin spacey i'm just gonna beep his name is like no no one more job for you and it's like it's one of the more forced jobs in that like he never uh never says he's gonna use the same crew twice but he does use the same crew uh it's a kind of a rush job it's not what they normally do and you kind of there's just a lot of like unnerving stuff about it and baby driver's like i don't even want to do this and this all seems off and then ultimately it does all go wrong then did he use the, is that the same crew again? Is not like a different combination. Yeah, it's a diff- oh, does that is that what he meant though? Does that mean that's what I figured? Oh, okay, maybe that. Yeah, I yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Yeah, I just assumed that he just doesn't use the same people again. But yeah, that makes sense. He doesn't use the same exact crew. And actually, just speaking of the same crew, uh, Jamie Fox had one of my favorite lines in this, um, and it kind of made me understand his character or his motivations at least. Um, when it comes to him just being a dick, which was like he just has this belief that like he goes what's in there is ours and anyone that's in our way is stopping us from taking what is ours that's ours and we're getting it and it like it kind of explains why he just goes around and does whatever he wants because he believes that you know whether it be i don't know whatever the fuck he got from like the convenience store on the way back or in the diner he's like i want this you have it and if you don't give it to me i'm going to like i'm going to do everything in my power to get it off you yeah pretty much like he just it's the entitlement of he gets what he wants and that's it like he suggested go to the diner say and baby said no and that's straight away, like, no, that means we're definitely going there now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, like, he's, that's completely his character trait, I feel like. He's like, he can do what he wants. He doesn't care. Consequences. I feel like, if he wasn't in the movie, I feel like his, the whole movie would have been fine for everyone. He's probably the ultimate. Yeah, because he's the one. So there's this scene then where, I forgot about this. There's this scene where they have to go pick up weapons for the big heist. And they have to go visit this gun dealer called The Butcher. And it's the weirdest fucking dude. <laughs> and he's like, he's talking about all these guns as like uh, cuts of meat. And like, I understand his name's the butcher, but like he goes really hardcore on this whole butcher persona. Yeah, I remember watching it and I was like, okay, he makes one or two jokes. It's like, ah, funny. Then two or three more. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe tone it down a bit. But he's just like, and welcome to the butchers. And let's see what fine meats. Maybe some pork chops. And he's like pointing at grenades. Or how about some strip line? And like there's a rocket launcher. And it's like, what? Oh, yeah, it's just very strange. Anyway, Jamie Foxx shoots all those people. Yeah, but it's to the best soundtrack of tequila. Oh, it is best. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. Like, I think that was the one of the best bits in it for soundtrack. Is in like literally... There's that point where you can't even hear the music, but the gunshots are still keeping the beat exactly as it would be. Yes, yes. I kind of want to watch this again though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's a few. Like I, I remember from when I watched it. Like there's times where, like I was saying, you cannot hear the music at the time because the gunshots are too loud. But the gunshots are still exactly because you know the song, you know yeah. what the beats are going to be. Yeah. And it's probably, it's probably one of the only songs people would actually probably know beforehand. I would say. Yeah. This is actually so. This is actually something I looked up after because I remember I left the cinema, and I was like, "This is such a good movie. This is such a good soundtrack. I'm going to look this up and listen to it." And the soundtrack is not as good as you don't not listen to it. Yeah. On Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. Like just to compare it against the likes of Guardians of the Galaxy, which every song on that is great. This one is just like I'm going around listening to I don't know uh, Unsquare Dance, and I'm just like, ah, it's not the same. Um, sorry, you were talking about the tequila scene. Yeah. Oh, it's just epic. Like, so basically, what happens is that they feel like they're being set up by the police. 
smoking some pigs. Get it? Because they're butchers. Oh, that was, it was just so on the no- nose. It felt like, uh, felt like you know, Batman and Robin when, uh, like, uh, what you call it, Mr. Freeze is making all the ice jokes. That's what I felt like this butcher guy was. Yeah, it's like, it's, I, I do get it, but it's almost like a character from a different movie. <laughs> Yes, that's a good point. It's almost like he was written out of Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz and he was yeah, like, yeah. I'll just put him in here. Yeah, it's like they had the, ma- the what was it, five foot something man in a white suit. We had to put him somewhere. He just kept showing up to all of Edgar Wright's sets. And then he was like, yeah. fine, this one. Like, it's a great scene, but it's just a bit odd. Yeah, it's, it's just... And grenades are sausages. <laughs> yeah, the grenades are sausages, sorry. Yeah, it was all just, yeah, a bit strange. Uh, and then from that moment then... Yeah, like, the, the, just the last heist then, Baby's trying to get out, and then, like, uh, John Hamm uh, catches him, and then, is that where they realize, or they, like, knock him out, and then that's how they discover that he's been recording stuff, but he's not recording stuff to be a snitch, it's more to make his uh, horrible, horrible soundtracks. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'd say he rather, he'd nearly rather be a snitch and be caught for all that. I would. <laughs> yeah. Just like, um, what are all these, oh, these are the files I plan to incriminate you on. Are you sure? Because they kind of sound like you edited a, a beatbox to them, baby. No, no, definitely was planning on turning you into the police. Uh, not not a passion project of mine. Yeah, it's, they're odd, but ah, everyone has a hobby. Some people support Spurs, some people do that. Some people are top of the table, some people are 14. Yeah, I suppose, and in the middle of that as well, they go to the diner to where Debbie's, or Deborah probably realises how much of a, not, not, an, not a bad guy, but like how much of like a sort of slimy underworld he may be part of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they basically go to the diner that Bats insists on going to. Bats is about to rob it, but like because basically, like Baby Driver doesn't want to, Baby doesn't want to admit that he knows. Um, you can just call him Baby Driver. It's so much easier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Baby doesn't want to admit that he knows like the per- the waitress there because he's afraid of the crew what they might do. Mm-hmm. But then because he says nothing, Bats wants to basically just rob the place because that's what Bats does because he's batshit crazy. Sorry, um, just just for the listeners at home, I just don't want to rob you from the experience of Mark having to check his notes every every time he has to try to think of Jamie Foxx's character. I'd be the worst cheater in a test of all time. That <laughs> <laughs> is Jamie Foxx. I could easily say Jamie Foxx's you character. Could. I enjoy this more. Because... Yeah, I'll keep looking down and pausing for a second. Please do. So anyway, uh, checks notes. Bats. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's basically about to rob the joint and baby stops him. That causes more tension. And then he kind of realizes that, you know what? He's not going through with his job and that's it. Um, so they go, they go back. To, I think they go back then to the base, and Baby tries to basically escape at two in the morning. Yeah. And um, John Harm's character Buddy hops in the car. He's like, "Oh, where are you going? Get coffee or something, whatever." And then Bats also joins the car, and then the tension starts, and then they find all the recordings. I always forget that they like semi-attack that old guy. Yeah, they just take his wheelchair and he's just on the ground. So you assume, best case scenario, they just gently lifted him, placed him on the ground, took wheelchair. Worst case scenario, they kick the shit out of him and throw his wheelchair. Because the only scene you get of it is like, you obviously see him in the floor, but you also see Bats on the wheelchair for like yeah. a microsecond. Yeah, he like rolls in. That's a cool yeah. shot. I did like that. It's a cool shot. And I just imagine Jamie Foxx having great fun on it. Some Okay, I'm just going to talk about, I'm aware that he is an absolute deplorable person and what he did is really awful. But I'm just going to try and separate the art from the person here. There's two bits I enjoyed about his performance. One was when he draws that 
plan while Jamie Foxx is talking to him and he goes I just drew that entire fucking plan that's pretty like, he's like that's pretty fucking impressive like I will say like that was good he's still a horrible monster and the second bit that the horrible monster did was the bit where it's just that line where he goes I normally hear bananas I didn't hear bananas and it's such a it's such an Edgar Wright line yeah not like obviously Look, separating the performance from the guy, um, if it is sense anyway, like it was not, it was one of his my favorite performances of who has done shocking things and should not get more work and all that, of course. But purely looking as a performance, the character's great, Doc. It's well written. I think that's that's super important to remember that like a lot of it's Edgar Wright as well. Yeah, like we're we're talking about how Edgar Wright's words are pretty good as well. So you're you you were talking about the script as well. Yeah, completely. Like the script, the character is so well written. It's a believable character. Um, I don't like the idea of, I suppose, blanking this movie because it was probably an under-supported movie in, so, in terms of cinema turnover and in terms of... So I have I have those stats for you now. 23 it's million, a... I believe. Uh, oh, what, 30... F- Wait, what did you say? 23? I have 34 million here for the budget. Oh, oh yeah. Do you, do you have opening weekend? Maybe. Okay. To be honest, I look I looked it up and I seen the first number and I just took it as that. So this is a classic example of you come I come at you with something, you come at me with something else, and I come at you with something else, and then collectively we're still right. Yeah. So it was made for 34 million and it uh, worldwide it made 226 million. So okay. uh, usually they double budgets, so like what? So that budget would have been 70 million, but so it still made probably twice its money. So like I think I think it made some good money. I just don't think it's had the same cultural impact do you know what I mean like it's not really discussed it's not really shown in like greatest movies of all time but like I, I i think it's very much up there i think it was probably one of the best movies of 2017 and just in terms of oscars and stuff like that i don't think it won any i think it was just nominated for stuff it was robbed for sound in my opinion rob uh, for for um sound editing do you want to take a guess what won sound editing this year instead oh 2017 it's gonna be something that's gonna make me extremely angry uh, not too much. You'll be happy at one, but you'll can be you, upset. That can one. you send me the list of nominees? Can you can you do the nominees there by any chance? Okay, uh, yeah. So for the best achievement in sound editing, the nominees are... Oh my God, this is also my audition. Hi, my name is Gary O'Brien. I'm 25. This is my audition tape to read out the Oscar nominees at the next <laughs> year's Oscar ceremony. Best achievement in sound editing. The nominees are The Shape of Water, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, Blade Runner 2049, Dunkirk, or Baby Driver. Oh, it was Dunkirk, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fucking Dunkirk. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I could barely fucking hear half the shit in that movie. And that wins. But Nolan meant it that way. He meant it for me to not hear anything. And there yeah. was that same headline where it was like, World War II vet says Dunkirk is louder than actual war. And I'm just like, that doesn't fucking make it a good movie. <laughs> no, but if, you don't get it. It was loud. Oh, when you put it like that, yeah. it was yeah. very loud. <laughs> is sound editing just given to whoever's the loudest movie? <laughs> it's a, if it's very loud and by Nolan, it wins. Yeah, I think that's the only thing, because they hate, they don't like to give him any Oscars for like, you know, directing or script. So they'll be like, right, we'll just give him like the sound shit. But like, yeah, no, just to very briefly talk about Dunkirk, it is, uh, the, the sound is very edited well. And like, there's all the whole ticking shit but i just think when a movie is edited to like like when the entire movie is edited to about like 20 or 30 songs i'm like that is an achievement in itself and like that should be recognized oh yeah completely like i i have no sort of skills at all in this but i imagine i with no knowledge of how this is done 
I could do most of the sound of Dunkirk. Planes and stuff. Planes and guns. Just and hang, out at, hang out at Shannon Airport and just yeah. record all the planes and go from there. Hop down to Baldonald. I know people in the airport. It'd be fine. Get a few planes going. I have done. I have Dunkirk made. I would Mark, not. Are we going to make Dunkirk too? We should make <laughs> Dunkirk too. What's your What's your sequel name for Dunkirk too? Dunkirked. Dunkirked. Yes, I like it. So watch out, Chris Nolan. We're coming to you live. We're coming to you in 2022 with the unofficial sequel of Dunkirk. Dunkirked. Watch out, Chris Nolan. And we're going to make the audio so uh, listenable. Like everyone's going to be able to understand what everyone's saying and you're going to hate it. And we're going to stream it on HBO Max. <laughs> so Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Great movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, so I, I was probably like oversimplifying it. Obviously, like I obviously could not make Dunkirk. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the sound that was great, but just the timing required to get every single shot on point, get every like sort of every song was chosen so specifically to fit into a scene, mm. and it matches so well that the beats are on point for when he walks, when he closes the door, when he shoots a gun. Also, there's one thing I've got to mention earlier from that scene with the weird butcher guy. Is, oh yes, <laughs> it's when Buddy reloads his girlfriend's gun as she fires. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a bit. No, I just I loved it. Yeah, like yeah, it's just it was another one of those things where I'm like, it's not practical, but yeah, sure, go go for it, Edgar Wright. <laughs> it's one of my favorite bits in it. No, it's good. It's good. No, like the action. Yeah, let's talk about the action a bit. The action's phenomenal. Just like the, the the car chases are great, and when you know that when you like, it's, I think it's in the behind the scenes you can see like this footage of Edgar Wright like strapped to the like the back of the front of cars like with a camera in his hands because he wanted to be up close and being able to record and like see everything and like I think he was referred to as like a sunburnt muppet because he'd be like strapped into all these wires and he'd just be like obviously like the heat of where I think I don't know where it's filmed um I can't remember it's like Chicago or something like that but like I don't know it's warm or hot and yeah so he does steal a few cars in the movie but he does so nicely, so he steals, like, this is again, is he a good character or not? He does steal a car off the woman towards, in the last chase, sort of. Uh, he yeah. basically pulls a gun in her and tells her to get out. But he's tough enough to take out her purse. And it's just like, you still stole her car, as in, like, it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, her car is no longer there. And like you say, I've recently acquired a car. I'd be upset if someone stole my car and was like, oh no, here's your wallet. I'm just like, eh, like there's, there's more money you've taken. What you want. Yeah, it's nearly rubbing it in. Uh, it's it's to show you that like, clearly you just, you 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 don't like mean to take the car for financial gain. It's more to just, you know, hurt me. Just for a drive. Sometimes, yeah, you, exactly. just don't want to, sometimes you don't want to get the bus. I do enjoy yeah. that scene though, where he does steal the car and he spends a good 10 seconds on the radio. Trying to find a good song. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a few bits of this where he'll like prioritize music, um, which is when he's like, the heist was supposed to start and then it's like stalled for a reason. Then he goes, no, no, guys, wait, wait, wait. And then he like winds back the song to then start when they go in. And one of the cool things from the music video I was telling you about earlier um, that Edgar Wright directed for Mint Royale, it's called the Blue Song. Would recommend you this too. It's quite a good song, ladies and gentlemen. He, Noel Fielding is like the role of baby driver and he's sitting in the car and he's like waiting and he goes, guys, how long are you going to be? And they're like, oh, about two minutes, 56. And he goes through like his CD flip book and he finds one that says two minutes, like all the songs that are two minutes and 56 seconds that he puts it in. And he goes, right, go. So like, I, it was kind of cool that like, I would have liked to see that in, a, in this a bit more, but I suppose there's only so much we can do without trying to copy the music video but yeah like there's a lot of stuff that baby driver does that like he's very particular about his music and stuff and yeah definitely we all have driving songs we all have driving songs we all have crushing a man songs mine is orange crushed by oreo what, what was his crushing a man song oh um gary from the future how are you are you well 
How's your mother for slack? <laughs> can you, uh, yeah, what, what was the crushing song? Okay, so there's no real song per se while the man is being crushed. It's more so after he's been crushed. So while he's being crushed, there's this flashback to how the baby's parents died in a car crash. But after the man has been crushed and ultimately his family never see him again, the song Easy plays by the Commodores to kind of be like, ah, I'm free. While this man has been crushed and no one will ever see his body again and he won't do a funeral. So yeah, so the last heist, just to give you context, they're robbing some post office and they go in to like stake the place and it's probably one of actually, it's one of the characters I didn't write down because I didn't get, but he was probably like kind of a scene stealer. Uh, so uh, Baby goes in, he has to um, stake it out, see how many cameras they have, but he brings along <laughs> character's nephew and you just think he's going to be there just to help Baby's disguise, but you realize that he's actually like, a master of like a like he he can like spot all the cameras and the staff and stuff like that it's just really cool addition and it's like a very edgar wright thing i think yeah completely like um he's purely meant to be there just to go in to make it look normal because it's not normal unless you go in with a small child in a post office apparently best disguise best disguise but one of my favorite jokes in the film is in that scene is that so basically you go up to the cashier get to buy some stamps just so they have an excuse to go in and she asked, the cashier asked Baby, oh, is he, your, is he your guy? And Baby's like, yeah, yeah, he's my own kid. And he's, she's like, oh, how old is he? Baby says four. <laughs> the kid looks up and says 11. And Baby's just like, they grow up so fast. And it's one yeah. of my favorite little little small jokes in the movie. It's very throwaway, but it's, it's very Yeah, it's funny a tiny little throwaway joke that's just like, yeah, I could just imagine saying that. But yeah, it's great. Like, it's little small scenes like that that really just kind of make this movie where they then go back to the car, to Doc's car where he's waiting. And they... Just a quick fact attack on that. Um, so during the post office scene, uh, the teller at the counter quotes Dolly Parton and says, everybody wants happiness, nobody wants pain, but you can't have a rainbow without little rain. And the heist, the, the final heist begins when it's raining. Uh, but when Baby is released from prison at the very end, uh, there's a rainbow visible in the background as well. Ah. So Makes another sense. just small Edgar Wright detail in there. For you. Um, is it? Can we talk about the ending? Yeah. Uh, well, one other thing I want to say very quickly is I love the music at the end for the winding piano. You know that really unsettling piano when like the heist is about to begin. Yeah, I love that. But yeah, the ending it's uh it's kind of left a bit ambiguous. Yeah, is it a dream or is it not? And I know that for people who haven't seen the movie, might straight away be like, I'm not watching this shit. Yeah, so the way it is, it's very much like baby gets put away because he gets caught and he's released from prison, but. Before that, he had this kind of like, was it before this? He had like, oh, while he's in prison, he had this like dream of like, oh, I'll one day get out of here and Deborah will be waiting on the other side. And um, and then at the very, the movie kind of ends like that, but it's it's kind of, it looks almost too good to be true. Like, you know, it's all very, I know it sounds like, it's all like a movie and like the characters have an age. So it's kind of like, did he actually get out of prison early on parole or, what is, or is it just like a dream? Another yeah. dream is happening. Yeah, and I'm kind of happy. I don't even mind that ending. Like, it's it's not the part. I, I don't know. It, I think it could have potentially ended with him in prison and just being in prison, but it's still nice to see that, I don't know, he might have had a happy ending. Yeah, um, I like the ambiguity of it, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Like, if the dream, fair enough, I'm not going to get over Like, the movie's epic the whole way through. I'm not going to be like, no, I hate this movie now. I don't like the ending slightly. Well, like, there's movies that do that. There's movies that just end super, like, you're just like, oh, no, gone for me. And now this is one that's kind of like, you know, pick your poison. as it like, whatever you want to think how it ends. Like, do you think, it's like, it's like what you were saying earlier about, is baby a bad guy? You know, then you're maybe more inclined to think, yeah, that guy should fucking stay in prison and like, shouldn't get out. Or you can believe that he is a good guy 
and he does end up with Deborah, and the two of them get to yeah, so live happily like ever maybe after. Maybe what you think happens might be like if you consider him a good guy, that's maybe you believe, yeah, that's probably the reality. If you think he's a bad guy, you're like, yeah, he's probably dreaming. I don't know. But yeah, it was a bit, I don't know, it was a bit of an odd scene, but it's a nice ending, I suppose. It's nice to see that he potentially had a good life. But yeah, like, and there's other things that, like, um, yeah, like Edgar Wright, like, he. I love that there was like, there was like you mentioned earlier, there's some Shaun of the Dead stuff. I don't know if anyone's seen uh, Scott Pilgrim, another fantastic movie, would recommend that as well. Like the small elements of that in this as well, like just some of the fast paced action and stuff I thought was very similar and I thought done quite well. And it's, I kind of want to see Edgar Wright do more things because if he's going to kind of keep, you know, leveling up, I, I like, I want to see him do more things. I want him to see like, you know, continue to grow because uh, you know, he was just the Shaun of the Dead guy for so long. And then he did obviously that blockbuster you mentioned earlier, Paul. And then now he, he did something like this and, and he kind of hasn't really done anything since. Whereabouts would you rank this then in Edgar Wright's movies? Obviously below Paul, but apart from uh, that. Like, you know, Paul, it's it's literally the first thing that comes to mind when I think Edgar Wright. Where would this rank? Definitely above. I don't know. I Let me have a look at his uh, let me uh, IMDb here. Oh, he did a few. Like he's doing not like apparently he has a movie here called Last Night in Soho. I don't know what that is. Um, let me see. It's a young girl passionate about fashion is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer. But 1960s London is not what it seems. And time seems to fall apart with shady circum shady consequences. Okay. Do you want to know who's in this? Yes. Just very quickly. Anna Taylor joy from Queens Gambit. Okay. Great show. She's in this, and there's a lot of other people, but my arch nemesis, Matt Smith is also in it as well. So there's a little tie in for you. <laughs> yeah so okay uh, I don't know I think I really love I really love Hot Fuzz I'd probably put I think I prefer Hot Fuzz over Shaun of the Dead I think I think it would probably be Scott, my top three in no particular order would probably Scott Pilgrim Scott Pilgrim now again there's the one with Pierce Brosnan which just gives it an extra multiplier of plus like multiplied okay, by 100 you have this list of non-Pierce Brosnan movies okay that's that makes it so much easier for me uh, okay so let's oh but then there's Timothy Dalton is in Hot Fuzz and that's another James Bond actor oh it's so difficult no let's say I, I, I'm gonna say Hot Fuzz uh, this and Scott Pilgrim on my top three yeah that's fair Um, I'd probably put this as number one and then Shaun of the Dead and then Scott Pilgrim yeah I just don't know why Hot Fuzz clicks with me more. I just, I don't know. I think yeah. I saw Hot Fuzz first. So I think for me, I, whenever I saw Shaun of the Dead, I'm like, oh, Shaun of the Dead has Dylan Moore in it as well. Edgar Wright works with fantastic actors. He really does. Oh, he's a great cast he works with. Yeah. But he, but he just gets so much, like, I'd say he'd be a good director to work with because I feel like he does give, I know obviously in this one, he's very stingy, I suppose. But in other movies, especially with Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost, I imagine they have so much freedom on set. So funny you mention it. Here's a here's another quick swift attack for you. Uh, I, I don't know. According to IMDb, it says he doesn't allow improvisation. He says people have to stick to the script. Now I don't know. Like you say, he, when he's worked with Nick Frost and Simon Pegg for so long, um, he probably does. But the only character, the only actor he let improv on this set was Jamie Fox. Yeah, and I suppose. I'm not surprised at this with everything being so on cue with music. Yeah, I imagine improv can very much get in the way of that. Yeah, I don't know, like, if someone just goes off on, like, an extra line or two before something has to happen, but... Right, okay, we gotta start, we gotta start moving through this now. So, I'm gonna hit you with some fact attacks, and then we're gonna go on to, then we're gonna go on to the music. So, some fact attacks for you, is that director Edgar Wright once parked his car in a parking garage, only to realise, by complete coincidence, the car next to him had a stylized baby on board sign, with baby Ansel Elgort's face taken from the movie poster. So right, le- uh, right, left a note on the car windshield read from the director of Baby Driver. I approve, complete with an autograph, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, another one was the D uh, was that one of the 
film's technical consultant was Joe, Joe Loya, who served a seven-year prison sentence for a bank robbery in the early 90s. Okay. And the first movie he shot in the US, Edgar Wright, and the one I thought was the most interesting, was that the first R-rated movie ever to be given permission to show footage from a Disney movie. So there's a brief scene uh, where he's flicking through the channels where uh, Monster Inc. comes on. And that's oh, the only yeah. time that Disney uh, footage has been in an R-rated movie. Ah, I'm not going to lie. I feel punched out by them packs. Look, yeah, you're knocked out. You're you're like uh, you're like Arsenal in the in the knockout stages of the Champions League. Yeah, we don't even get there anymore. Anyway, right. <laughs> let's talk. About, let's talk about the music, and then we'll wrap it up. So, what's your yeah. fa- hit me with your favorite song, sir? Oh, uh, number one, and the only I think it's the only song I still have on my Spotify is Brighton Rock. I don't like Brighton Rock. Here's another contrast between me and you. I don't. I don't like. I can't sit and listen to Brighton. Like I don't. No, doesn't vibe with me at all. Oh no, that's like the one that stuck at me from the uh, from the actual like soundtrack. So I'm weirder because like the ones I have still on my Spotify is uh, Unsquare Dance. Yeah. Uh, and what else do I have? Just looking at the list, uh, Hocus Pocus as well. Um, oh, I'm never going to give you up. That's actually sorry. Just to briefly go back to, I know I love there was such a fake out in this because you think he's rolling up to the diner, Barry White's playing, it's gonna be a happy ending, and like you just think it's like the like the, it's like this whole like you know sexy music, and he's gonna like kiss Deborah, and then you realize John Hamm is there, but the music still keeps playing, like it doesn't switch to anything more sinister, and I really enjoyed that it was just like this song, which is supposed to like heighten like this romance, is being used as in like. Things aren't how they supposed to. Things are not as they are supposed to be. Yeah, actually, in fairness, that I know we're going back to the movie again now. But that actual whole scene, we probably skipped over that Diana scene a little bit. Yeah, and didn't even talk about it. It was just probably John Hamm at his best in that movie. His sinisterness, okay. his scariness, okay. the gun hidden in the newspaper. It was just so. I was afraid of him. Like he was just pure creepy, sinister. The cop comes in, so he just casually puts the gun away invites baby to sit over there he's in complete control of the room by just saying nothing oh my god how did we not reference this his name is john ham and there was a whole scene about the butcher <laughs> oh, oh, no, you, can, you can fix it in the edit i can fix it in the ed- yeah I'll, I'll say it now so like with the butcher and it's john ham of course I'm not cutting it. I'm going to leave that there. And that is going to be the end of the podcast. Mark, thank you very much for coming on. I very much appreciate it. Have you no, any final words? Any final um, words to our avid listeners? No, um, thanks for having me. Um, I really enjoyed my time. I've been loving the podcast. I hope it keeps going strength to strength. Oh, that's, that's something really nice and sincere to say after I've been thrashing you for what has been like 40 minutes plus. Um. <laughs> But yeah, no, thank you very much for coming on. And I just want to say thank you to our listeners who got to this point, you know, just was able to survive all the Lily James and Tottenham love and affection. So if you want to keep up to date on the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at reading in the peers. I put up posts and stories to keep you up to date with when new podcasts are coming out. You can also follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple. I don't really know how those things work, but if you could do that, that would be great. Uh, if you could, if you have a friend that w- wants to hear all about me and Mark Bitter about our football rivalries or my celebrity crushes and hatred of Matt Smith and Chris Pine, tell a friend, get them to listen, see what they think. And that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed and goodbye.